Join spiritual feminist and empowerment coach Joni Advent Maher for Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow. Listen in for intimate conversations about money, transformation, and feminine sovereignty. And now, your host, Joni Advent Maher. Welcome to Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow. I'm your host, Joni Advent Maher, spiritual feminist and empowerment coach. And I am so excited to have our guest, Lucy H. Pierce, with us today. She is a best selling author of numerous life changing nonfiction books for women and the founder of Womancraft Publishing and a Burning Woman. Welcome, Lucy. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be with you. Mm, so delighted to have you. Let me just share a little bit more about your many talents and many offerings. As I said, Lucy is an author of many life-changing books, and her latest one, Burning Woman, is an incendiary exploration of women and power. Her work is dedicated to supporting women's empowered and embodied expression through her writing, teaching, and art. And she is the founder of Womancraft Publishing. Mm. And we are going to spend the morning, or I guess the afternoon as the case may be, <laughs> <laughs> since we're on opposite sides of the pond, as they say, talking about burning woman and feminine power and Lucy's journey with all of that. Hmm. So, Lucy, where to begin? <laughs> <laughs> Should we begin with this, that hearing what I do in the world, even though that's what I do every day to make my living, it still makes my heart race, partly with excitement and partly with, oh my goodness, I'm actually doing that. <laughs> if I were to hear that about somebody else, I'd be like, oh wow, that's really exciting. But the fact that I get to do that as my living, just it still doesn't stop amazing me <laughs> and scaring me, you know, and scaring me. There's a part of me that thinks, whoa, <laughs> that sounds big and deep and scary. But yeah. Yes. 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 We, and we talked briefly before we started about just your journey of writing Burning Woman and what that was calling forth in you or what it required for you to create such a book, such a powerful book. Mm. Yeah, what it required from me was an ability not to stay, or the courage not to stay silent mm. anymore about so many different aspects of my life and my understanding of what it is like to be in this world as a woman mm. and what it is like to experience power rising within you um, and then the absolute terror 
that's not too strong a word, terror that emerges for myself and for so many hundreds of women who I've spoken to since this book came out and in the writing of the book, this terror of expressing our truths mm. in this world as a woman is, it's not just an emotional fear, it is a physical terror of what happens now. It's kind of like opening a Pandora's box and we don't know what's going to happen, but we are very, very scared that it's going to be something big and it's going to be something that may threaten our very lives. And that's a pretty big thing to be contending with. And that's what we as women seem to be contending with. So Burning Woman for me was an exploration of what is this and why is this? What is the history of women and power, women and self-expression? And why are, do we have such a strong embodied fear of speaking our truths, breaking the silence. Mm. Um, and it was, so the writing of the book was, was a terrifying experience because in daring to ask those questions, I had to go to places in my own life and in our shared history where, you know, I generally kind of shut that bit down and ignored it and kept it quiet because if if I didn't talk about it, then there was no, I didn't have to deal with the fear. If I didn't talk about it, then I didn't have to deal with the shame. Mm. And so, yeah, it, you know, that, that started to emerge. Once I started to ask those questions, it started to emerge in terrifying nightmares. Um, nightly dreams of, of you know being chased being killed having my children taken from me mm. and this realization that you know that is the reality that women throughout history have dealt with not just in their dreams in reality and we we remember that we know that in our bones we know that yes <laughs> we do mm. And so when we step into our power, we know that there could be a price to pay. Yes, yes. And it, it is a, an incremental process and journey. Cer certainly yeah. it has been for me. And it, it sounds like for you and the women you've spoken to and worked with as well, just to, I like to think about just having to metabolize those bits of uh, stress or terror or the old memories or the generational pieces. Uh, mm. Yes. Uh, so can you speak to having come through that and being on the other side of birthing this book and putting it out into the world? Uh, what is What are the gifts or, you know, what has been the will say the reward for lack of a better word for for walking through that fire knowing that i'm not alone mm. um that book has sold faster than any of my other books i've ever mm. written mm. and it has had the most incredible response from women every single day without exception i get 
Facebook messages, emails, cards through the post from usually complete strangers mm. who need to let me know just what an impact this book has had on them. And I am privileged to hear their stories and their struggles and their coming to power and their fears that they have dealt with and the shame that they have dealt with and their feeling seen and heard through my words and through my vulnerability in sharing this journey and the the alchemical process which I certainly experienced in the writing mm. which woman after woman has told me about has happened in in them when they have come across this burning woman archetype first but also the the process that unfolds in the book and so for me it is like having had the privilege to be a stone that went into the pond and the ripples came out. And I thought that as that stone, I might sink and drown. Mm. And I was always so scared of the backlash that was coming at me. Mm. I mean, physically mm. scared of that backlash, scared that my career could be over, that kind of terror. Mm -hmm. And what has happened is and you know i'm touching wood and i'm preparing myself that at some point that will happen with power there always comes a backlash but instead what has happened is i have been embraced by an enormous circle an international circle of women who say me too and that that feeling of belonging when you have been in the place of your deepest fear and your deepest shame and your deepest vulnerability to have somebody who knows nothing more of you, who owes you nothing, stand beside you and say, I see myself in you and I am grateful for you is just, you know, just beyond anything I could have imagined. And so that, <sighs> that has filled me up. And knowing that this book is being passed woman to woman, being, you know, shared and loved because women resonate with this is just this feeling of, wow, what has come out of the box is not what I feared. What has come out of the box is not the demons, is not the patriarchy trying to kind of whack me down. But actually what has come out of this box is women's power again and again and again all around the world. Like, wow. <laughs> yes, a circling and a coming together mm. and an uplifting is what I mm. hear. Yes, and a burning away of the old, an absolute yes. burning away of the old, of the sh the fears and the shames, and a stepping into, this is who I am, this is what I have to say, without that constant second guessing, that constant looking over your shoulder, but actually standing your ground and saying, this is who I am, and for me in my life, that has been a near impossibility despite the work I do and so it has moved me one step further into that I'm certainly not completely there you know but it's helped me and it's given me mm. a resource to go back to again and again and say whoa, 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 whoa when I start getting into old patterns I'm like I know different now I know a different way I can remember I can remember a new way 
And so that, for me, again, has been, you know, the book's gift to me is is a little kind of aide de memoir. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes, yes, you wrote it in part for yourself as well as the rest of us. Every one of my books is written for myself. Every (laughs) one of my books was written for the woman who I've most recently been for the book that she longed to have and couldn't find. That's mm. that's who I write for. So that <laughs> the women who I know who are in the same situation, that they have something to turn to when I felt I had nothing. Mm. Well, I, I just want to express my deep thanks and gratitude that you did say yes, step by step, you know, fear by fear that you that you walked through that fire and came out the other side because we are so much richer for it. And for all the women who haven't had a chance to say thank you, I I wanna express that. Thank you. You're welcome, you're welcome. I I would also love to hear just about your work with womancraft and it seems that that would be another expression of you kind of bringing feminine power into the world or expressing your version of that. Yes, yes, very strongly. Um, And actually it came about through standing for myself first. So I self-published my books, my first three books, whilst I was looking for a publisher. Mm. For that read, looking for external validation of my right to speak. Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I got my dream publishing contract Mm. and it didn't turn out to be a dream at all. Mm. It didn't turn out that anybody else was gonna stand for and with my voice in the same way that I did and in the same way that the readers who come to and love my books do you know the publisher didn't get my work mm. and and what what it's how to bring it into the world and so I that publishing contract was a really interesting turning point for me because as I say it was a validation it was approval it was it was all of those things that I've always longed for, that most of us long for, from a third party, from an institution, you know, from from the outside, from an authority saying, yes, you're okay. In, in fact, you're good, and mm. we want you, mm. and we we will have you, we will accept you, and we will shape you as we want to. Mm. And what I realized was that. I wasn't finding the books that I wanted to Mm -hmm. because that was happening again and again and again to books, to women's books. They were being shaped by publishing houses which were embedded in patriarchal systems, embedded in history, embedded in capitalism and weren't in any way radical, weren't in any way wanting to create a new vision of humanity, of community, of 
what we are capable and what we can achieve. They weren't interested in that. They were interested in making lots of money so they could go and have fancy dinners and, you know, all of that. <laughs> yeah. They were capitalists through and through. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's not just my books that are, you know, not being helped by this system. I, from having been a blogger first, I could see how many powerful women's voices were out there in the blogosphere which weren't getting through to print format or if they were they were being you know kind of prettified and kind of toned down and edited heavily so that that power that kind of oomph that comes through on blogs that resonates so strongly with all of us doesn't come through in a book format it just becomes you know kind of 10 self-help tips kind of thing yes. not that powerful voice which you know the feminine doesn't say what we want to hear a lot of the time you know the feminine we've been sold is this kind of pretty preened um supporter of the masculine and kind of sucker up to the masculine the real raw deep feminine isn't that at all you know she is uncontrollable she is wild <laughs> she is fierce as well as being beautiful and all of these other things but she is she is more uncontrollable and that wasn't coming out in these books so i was editor for a number of years um contributing editor at a natural parenting magazine and i literally one day i'd been taking on more editing work because my passion has always been getting new voices through getting new visions through but often when people are starting out and they've got the biggest kind of interesting rawness that rawness can also hold us as readers back because the grammar might be poor or it might be repetitive so they need an editor to help just polish but not in a kind of a you know taking away the rawness just making it accessible Yes. So that was what I loved doing as an editor. So I said, look, you know, I'm on a pittance here. I'm trying to make a living for my family. I need to have a raise. And they said, we're really sorry, we just can't. So I said, you know what, that's fine. Actually, I'm going to go off and start a publishing company. <laughs> <laughs> With that little forethought. And my head editor was, I could see we were on Skype and she was completely taken aback because it's like she didn't see this coming I just asked for more editing work I was loving what I was doing and I hadn't seen it either but it was like that's what I need to do I need to make real the thing I was looking for because all the time I was looking for a publisher I couldn't find what I was longing for I couldn't find a publisher that shared profits 50 50 with the authors all of them just gave peanuts or nothing at all as, as you know part of my contract does so you know it was it was wanting to share money fairly it was wanting to share because you know with most publishers you don't get a say in your cover you don't get you know creative control of your book i wanted to share that creative control i wanted to get the voices that weren't coming through in traditional publishing and I wanted to focus on women's voices. So it just kind of happened. <laughs> you know, the vision happened. And then, you know, it's been two and a half years of solid, hard work. But we've moved from my husband being in a full-time job that he didn't like and myself being a stay-at-home mother, which doesn't work for me, to over the course of 
four and a half years, little shift by little shift, me taking on a, a day a week, then two days a week and making them pay, then him dropping down a couple of days a week, and then gradually me taking on more and more work, suddenly we have our publishing company and we have a separate editing services company. Mm. We have my books and teaching and suddenly we have enough work to support our family and employ both of us in our family and mean that we can share the care of our children as well. Mm. So that, that has been an incredible journey and I, I don't wanna underplay how hard it can be when you know you're not sure if you're gonna make anything like what you need to spend that month as a family living on on not very much you know that's really scary but it's also so exciting when you when you know that you are living your dreams out you're not backing off from them and you're putting the work that you really believe in out in the world and people are responding in the way in which they do to not only to my books, but to our company, to our ethos, to the authors whose careers we have started is just, you know, I kind of, I feel like we take just enough money to be able to survive. <laughs> and then all of the rest of the stuff is goodwill and love, which just buoys us up and keeps us going onwards. <laughs> Well, the thing that I'm struck by is just that you are doing the business piece in an innately feminine way in terms of yes. that collaborative piece and the the sharing um, both of the profits and the creative control. And it, you know, it certainly seems like that is part of what the feminine is bringing into the new world order is this shaking up around whether it's business commerce money how we interact um so i i love hearing that story and 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 also the partnership with you and your husband i mean that is a beautiful example and i'm sure not every moment felt beautiful or easy but um what a place to get to together yes absolutely and for our children i really don't want to underestimate you know, my creativity was in a complete limbo for about 10 years between leaving school when I finished doing art classes at school mm -hmm. and all the way through university life until I got pregnant with my first child and suddenly my creativity went whoomph. So my, my children have brought my creativity alive again and yet they've also been the kind of the struggle of, you know, obviously them needing my time and energy and how do I rebalance that? So that was my book, The Rainbow Way, was figuring out how do I rebalance this maternal, feminine, strong desire to be there for and with my children and this strong desire to express myself and do my work in the world. And now we're at the stage where, you know, my children, they come into the office to help us to you know kind of package up orders or write mm. labels they they see us working in the house they know what it is to create a business to create a life that you're proud of to create work that you're proud of they've seen the creative process again and again and again of mm. how to take something from a first idea to to reality and for them that is normal and i just that fills my heart with so much joy that they can see day by day in reality how to make your dreams real. Mm, 
Yes. You know, they, they're not being taught or told. You have to shut yourself down at school. You have to, you know, just do what you have to do in a job. And it doesn't matter if you hate your job. You've just got to do what you have to do to make money. They're not being taught that. They're being taught that, you know, there are many, many different ways to make money. And sometimes you have to work really, really hard to make money and not much money comes in. And other times, you know, you are blessed with money coming from all directions, but that means more work. And they see that. They see the connection between, you know, action and the outside world and dreams and money. They see that process again and again and again. Mm. And they see it in human form rather than, you know, theoretically. Yes, yes. And the way that your creativity and your leadership in the family, because that's a lot of from my perspective, what we as women are both stepping into and, and being called to is not just leadership in a larger sense, but really starting in our own homes, in our own communities. And your story really is emblematic of that. And I, I love mm. that. Thank you. Yes. And just to say another reason, like one of my books is called Reaching for the Moon and it's a girl's guide to her cycles. And that was written specifically for my own daughters mm. so that because I was given Christian books on my body and sex education, which didn't chime at all with my experience of my own body. So I needed to have resources for my girls that reflected my sort of approach to what their body is and you know what their menstrual cycle is and what it can mean rather than you know all of these other things that I come across and so you know again and again it's this kind of inspiration from what's happening in our lives right now what do we need to find solutions to and then how do we create those solutions rather than feeling powerless in like I don't like what's out there and I'm scared of it and I, it shuts me down. Instead of that, it's the walking into the possibility each time you hit mm. something that you're struggling with. It's like, how do we create what we want rather than banging our heads against what we don't want and feeling powerless? Yes, yes. Where is our choice? Where is our power? Exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. So one of the things we talk about here is the idea of um, sacred feminine flow, and, and that can look different to everyone. Um, and I, I don't know how you conceive of that, but I, I like to ask my guests if you've ever had a time when you consciously trusted your sacred feminine flow that you would like to share with us. Mm, yeah. You know what? Every time I sit down with my journal or my sketchbook or sit to create, I have I do this dance with 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 my flow, my creative flow, my feminine flow. And it's not a kind of a one-time thing. It's a constant remembering mm. of that feeling of coming up against this this blankness, this this wall of of fear and shame. Sometimes it's really big, and sometimes it's just like this kind of fuzziness of I can feel something inside of me kind of buzzing and fizzing, and I want to get it out. 
but I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how it's going to be. And there is this learned thing that I have, which, which almost, it, it kind of breaks the signal. It kind of, yeah. And it's how to get beyond that. Mm. And every time it's you know you would think that somebody who makes their living from writing somebody who makes <laughs> their living from art it would be easier but it's not i mean like i'm i'm putting together an e-course at the moment um it's currently running and trying to each time bring myself to do the next creative exercise to kind of you know show other people how to do it i'm like oh this is really hard, <laughs> you know, because we, we haven't been taught from birth to trust this process. We haven't been taught what it feels like, how it works. Mm. And so every time it's a conscious effort still mm. for somebody like me who is immersed in this as my work, it is still a conscious effort and reprogramming. And then I look to my daughter who just sits down at the table. She's eight <laughs> sits down at the table. And just draws what she wants to draw. Sometimes she wants to ask me if I think it's good, but she just doesn't get caught up in that kind of yeah. self-questioning, self-doubting, the, the cutting off of that flow. Mm. And so, you know, for me, it is learning to try as much as I can to consciously come back to it, to consciously stay in it rather than be scared off from it because I wasn't taught that. Yes. You're not alone there. <laughs> <laughs> and so like a big example would be that conversation with my editor where I said, oh, I'm starting a publishing company. I mean, like that <laughs> looks crazy. But in that moment, I just trusted, whoa, this is what's happening. You know, so it's that deep trust. Yes. And I can do it on big things. I'm good at big things. I, you know, I just, you know, I knew I had to propose to my husband and I did it over the phone. He was in Japan. <laughs> I was in England. It was like, yo, we need to get married this year. <laughs> when it's big stuff, I listen and I act, even though I might be shaking. But it's the smaller, continuous remembering mm. that I actually struggle with far more. It's like I keep changing the channels in myself and I have to consciously bring myself back to staying in that flow. Mm. And hopefully, maybe one day it will just become second nature, but it isn't yet yes. because I wasn't brought up like that. And I'm really hoping, hoping, hoping that for my daughters, it will be more effortless. Mm. Yes, I, I'm with you there. I have a 12 year old and I, I certainly am holding that vision for her as well. Mm. And I think I did mention, but I'll, I'll, I'll say again, she ate up and devoured and loved reaching for the moon. Oh, wonderful. Oh, I'm so glad. You see, my girls haven't read it yet because they're oh. eight and six, so they're too young. So oh. daughters who've read it, not my own. <laughs> yes. So kind of in that vein, as we bring this to a close today, um, what, it, what wisdom would you share with your own younger version of you, if you could, what would you tell her? First of all, that words are power. Mm. That if you can find words for your internal experiences of yourself or for the world, you gain a power with 
that experience and a power over it. And so to, to try as much as possible to find a word or an image, because images work too, mm. for, for what it is that has been silenced in you, for what it is that you've never seen expressed anywhere else, because those, those words and those images have a magic in them, the power of transformation. Once you can put something into words, once you can imagine it, then possibilities open up before you. Mm. And so when you're feeling anxious and when you're feeling scared, usually it's because you have no words and images for where you are right now. And mm. I've spent a lot of my life feeling anxious and scared. And so for me, what has helped again and again is finding those words and those images because they have given me the power to recreate, to rewrite my story, to recreate myself and my experience. Mm. You know, so that, that is really, yeah. Because I, I tend to do a lot of worrying when I'm anxious. Mm -hmm. Worrying worrying's never actually got me anywhere. <laughs> you know, whereas finding finding these words and images have. And what I say to myself is that, you know, you have no idea what you're capable of or what you're able to cope with. Like, you can cope with so much more than your mind thinks you can. Mm. And that you are more powerful than you dare to believe that you are but also in the same breath you are more vulnerable and more delicate than you can know and that everybody and everything around you is too mm. wow. you know, that everything can just shift in a moment in a way that is so hard you know, it doesn't work with the logical mind the logical mind kind of is linear and kind of thinks step by step but Things shift in a moment, like the moment that my daughter fell out of an upstairs bedroom window oh. onto a concrete. Oh, my. Wow. And in that moment, we nearly didn't have a daughter. Mm. And I just went to work that day just thinking it was a normal day. So that and other experiences like that with my children have taught me that you can't bank on anything you can't bank on tomorrow you can vision and dream and work hard but you never ever truly know what even the next moment will hold and so the worrying doesn't really matter because you can't plan it ahead you can't know how it's all going to turn out mm. so you kind of just have to stay with that flow of what's unfolding around you because you can't outthink it you can only feel it and go with it in your body as it unfolds. Wise, <laughs> wise words. That's, yes, that is so true and so powerful. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you. I, I can't believe we've reached the end of our time already, but <laughs> <laughs> we have. I feel like this has been a power-packed, just woo hurdle through <laughs> hurdle through um i don't know what the dimensions with you and <laughs> i i wish we could just stay and talk and talk and talk but um i wanted to let my listeners know that 
they can reach you at uh, lucyhpierce.com. And if they're interested in your books, um, they can check out Womancraft or they're on Amazon as well. Yep. And most online bookstores to order from your local independent bookstore, to order from your library, you know, yeah, yes. you can get your hands on them. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, I just, I'm bowing to you and humbly, but also sister to sister and saying um, so grateful for the work you do and for bringing the raw, the powerful, the wise, the wild, into the world that's coming through women uh through your through all of your work and thank you yes want to wish you and your family the best and flourishing with all that you're doing thank you you're welcome and i want to thank you beautiful listener for spending time with us today and remind you until next time to always trust what your heart knows. Thanks for listening to Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow with Joni Advent Maher. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share our podcast with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes.